welcome hunters to the hunters hub uh today we're going to talk about um metroid prime 4 it's uh delay uh and and some of the things about announcing games maybe too early uh just some thoughts on that Haru has a lot of thoughts on that and speaking of which uh this is Fortuan and joined by co-host haru how you doing call me zaru divergent of haru <laughs> ancestor <laughs> of uh, I don't know where this is coming from. <laughs> well, keen viewers will know that Kingdom Hearts 3 just came out. And oh. I've dived <laughs> just straight in like a just like a small furry animal walking across a busy road. Um, oh, don't, I hit a squirrel the other day. It was bad. And the girls were in the car and there was a lot of crying and I can't I can't say that all of it was the girls. <laughs> You know what else oh, is, has a lot of crying, Fortuan? Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I, am I wrong? So I'm completely like no idea what has happened in the series. Like I've picked picked up a bit through cultural osmosis, but wait, wait, uh, wait, so is Kingdom Hearts three year first? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> so I I watched the video, like the a summary YouTube video, and all that just to comprehend Confused you? and there's yeah, like i've heard dude the villain takes more forms than fucking ganondorf <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> yeah <laughs> um well uh before we move on any further i'd like to thank uh wolfie melon for the music and uh so we'll get uh right into what we've been playing so obviously you've been playing kingdom hearts uh you said you haven't got to play a lot of it though right yeah, I'm just at this very starting stages, but the reason I bought it is because it's sort of like Disney uh, Final Fantasy XV, and right. it's got some nice action mechanics. I don't know if this is the same way in the last games, but it has like this sort of real-time turn-based menu that you navigate, and yes. you have to like select your melee attack, which is an odd choice. Uh, uh, uh... I don't, I'm not sure. It's been a long time. I played Kingdom Hearts 1, and I kind of remember it being more action-oriented, but I guess I maybe have selected my attacks. I mean, granted, I was in high school, middle school, when I played this game. Like, it's it's been a long time. So It's definitely an action game. It's just under this weird sort of turn-based, uh, Oh yeah, it, I guess, it control definitely mapping. had that. I remember selecting magic specifically and that kind of stuff, uh... With Donald being the caster, I think. Yeah, good. Donald's typically the caster. Uh, like, the sort of, like, I am the caster is, is Donald. And Goofy's, like, the knight. And then Sora is whatever he wants to be. The special snowflake that, that is the player. Yeah, so... So just... <laughs> yeah, that, that story is about as convoluted as stories get. And... And like I've said many times before, I'm not. It, it it takes a lot for me to enjoy a story in a game, and Kingdom Hearts is not one of them. <laughs> to, to give you an idea of this kind of game, like the start screen, or the or when you create a new game, it plays like five minutes of random cutscenes from the graphic in the graphics engine of old games, uh, and like moments from the <laughs> sort series. Sort of like gearing you up. Uh, it's the hype engine before the game starts. I and bet that's weird, having never played one of them before. No, it, I'm not done. I, and then there's a dream sequence tutorial for, like, another five minutes, and you choose, like, your stats and things. And okay. then there's 
Oh my god. And then there's like a like a cutaway to the villains or something. And there's a bunch of Disney villains. <sighs> this is sounding like a train wreck. And everyone's it, saying it's great. I'm not I don't think everyone's saying it's great, but I'm not calling it a train wreck. Uh, okay. And then you I finally get to the. I haven't actually read any reviews. Just... You finally get to the start, start of the game, and you're like at, uh, I guess where the recap would have left off. One of the like the 3DS game. I think you're taking a test to be a, a a Keyblade Master. I'm trying to think of the YA fiction analogy for that. <laughs> a Jedi. Uh, <laughs> the Jedi's I can't get off I can't get into that back words <laughs> as well in any case but you failed in the 3DS game so the 3DS game was pointless I don't know um, <laughs> yeah yeah it's just not I don't even try to understand it I just don't so, so they <laughs> try and do that diegetic thing like Metroid of Oh, well, you failed the test, and you were possessed by evil in the last game, so you lost all your abilities from the first two RPGs. First oh. eight RPGs. <laughs> um, Weird. And yeah, so you get thrown into the Hercules world, which I thought was a strange choice in terms of branding and what's popular and... Yes, there's there's a bit of that because Hercules was in the first game. That might be a sort of a fan of service thing because Cerebus was a pretty difficult boss, if I, as I remember. And I don't know, a lot of people seemed to like that world at that time. Okay. Cause, this cause is all anecdotal from like 15 like, years ago. <laughs> there's a bunch of references to like, oh, didn't we already beat you three times, Hades, and all the other games? That's very in-jokey. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, I, and like I said, I stopped playing after one, so that would even be lost on me. Like, I'd be like, uh, sure, I totally beat you that many times. Wink. But but beyond <laughs> just, like, the Kingdom Heartsiness of it all, the dialogue is awkward in the sense that people will be talking like this, and Stuttered. after they finish a sentence, the next person will talk a little bit later. Oh, that's, and then the that's next right. person will go, and it's slower than I'm making it sound. It's just sort of mm. stilted is a word people use. And maybe yeah. it's sort of a buzzword, but it's kind of like the delivery is not super uh, in the moment. Awesome. <laughs> so okay not so not not so great dive so far i guess i'm excited to play more but i really just like i'm only at like, like the very intro of it at the moment right and there was some cool okay. like environmental mechanics like you could run up walls and there was like a launch off wall attack and you could do like a spin attack when you're going up the wall and certain element, like pillars in the environment, you could like dodge into them, and you'd spin around and do this like a big. Far more complex than when I played. <laughs> no, it is Final Fantasy fifteen cross Kingdom Hearts. I swear to God. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's Final Fantasy in general, cross Kingdom Hearts, or at least it was, obviously. 
No, but 15 was the one that had all the teleporting around. Yes. That's what I mean. I think Kingdom Hearts had that also. Um, I'm not sure. (laughs) And the first one you didn't, but I think in the later ones you did. Hmm. I'm not, like, again, I'm guessing I didn't play the other ones. I've just been aware of the series because I liked number one. Actually, I used to know someone who was super into the Final Fantasy uh, cross Disney game for a long time and she would just explain the whole thing to me and I would just nod and pretend I'm understanding nothing against her just like I just it's so complicated she found out I liked number one and she just wouldn't stop talking about it I um I will say the intro like video was very well done for like something that has like the distortion uh, uh-huh. kind of effects on the song and then it turns into like sort of rap at one point like I thought it was pretty uh, slickly produced right <laughs> well okay um, so what else have you been playing uh, did you want to take one Sometimes sure just you want to go either, either or <laughs> yeah we'll do we'll, we'll switch back and forth take a uh, still playing breath. into the breach uh, I've talked about this before it's sort of tactical um game strategy game where you play as different mechs trying to save the world from bugs and it took me like three weeks to finally beat it with the team that i'm using the the flame behemoths and i've worked on to i've moved on to the ice mechs or whatever they're called uh still very fun uh, gets more challenging each team I go to because I have to sort of relearn what to do. So like the flame behemoths that I worked on, it's like, hey, we're immune to fire. Also, we're going to set the whole map on fire and fire does a bunch of damage to enemies. And we do extra damage if we hit them while they're in fire. And it's like, oh, that's cool. But that ends up being difficult because some missions you have to protect certain things and those things are not immune to fire. So then you're like, Oh crap! I can't do what I was going to do. I need to <laughs> like it, it. It's like, every, like I said, every team is different on the strategy. The game is essentially the same, but it's just your your tactics have to change drastically between teams. I cannot wait till I get to the uh, basically once you do all the achievements and beat it with everything, you unlock the final secret team, which I don't even know what they are. But like, if it's the, the last two like groups that I have to do is a randomized team and a custom team and like I'm like, I don't even know a randomized team I don't even know how that's possible because like all the mechs like the each team has like their own strategy to use and it's like okay I guess I just hope to random in a bunch of big ones that do a bunch of damage I guess I don't know <laughs> right so they're like synergy based um, yeah actions. yes. Well, I mean, their synergy, it's weird, because their synergy based based on items or weapons they start with. Uh, for instance, the Flame Behemoths are only immune to fire because they have an immune to fire sort of passive equipped, uh, which you can get on other teams, but it doesn't seem that useful. Um, okay. It's like all sort of randomized, but almost all of their weapons are also fire-based or somehow uh, linked to taking advantage of those strategies. So 
I think it's possible to get a decent team and to sort of build one out of your randomized junk, but it's like, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> Sounds like sort of a roguelike mode that sort of uh, takes the more, maybe more designed initial factions and sort of yes. uh, will we'll mix them together in a way that uh, promotes emergent interactions and kind of just like showing off right. what the game uh, and, can do. And this is a very roguelike game. Like uh, you can have different random events happen you know that it can be helpful or, or not helpful and uh there or, or you know like stuff can happen just based on what ha- what you know just based on randomized things uh it's i guess it's important to note that this is actually made by the same people who made faster than light um which is a popular roguelike game that i played for a little while about spaceships travel spaceship traveling and you manage a ship so, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So uh, I guess we'll move to what you've been uh, what you've been playing next. Oh, uh, well, you know me, I'm always playing that Monster Hunter. Um, I, I know I I should join. <laughs> I should be doing it too. I just I've been so distracted. Uh, I was actually doing a a, a, a relative large amount of things because the great ja- greatest Jagras came out the greatest jaggers of them all uh, oh man that stuff looks hilarious ja- <laughs> dodo jack dodo jaggers drum um it's actually dodo not Jagger's a drum. wrong way of <laughs> just describing it because they made it bigger and sped it up right and they gave it uh two of dodogama's uh spit attacks but instead of blast fireballs he's spitting uh partially digested meat two. Um, and, uh, they also gave it Kolv's, or Chamber Kolv Troth's new, like, giant wind-up, like, slam punch into the ground. Right. Which makes sense, because it's such a large creature. And it's about the size of Kolviteroth. Well, well, I mean, it's about. the same, it is Kolviteroth in, in the sense of, like, Legombi, uh, 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 Arzuros. Legombi, yeah, Legombi is Ar- Arzuros, yeah skeleton sort of right yeah it's the same skeleton just repurposed to be the greatest jaggers so the the gimmick is that whenever it spits out part of like a individual partially uh, digested piece of meat uh, it'll leave behind a face stone and you can collect up to like 30 or so of them in the hunt so you'll get like so yeah many i've heard a lot of people yeah, a lot of people are super excited about that. It, it's like a really good farming way, uh, like a super insane farming uh, quest for decorations to the point where it kind of trivializes a lot of tempered uh, quests that we might have been doing across sure. the past year. <laughs> it's both easier and better. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got a lot of like really rare decorations from doing tempered, but I, I've I've finished out my like uh, all the crit boost or not crit boost uh, critical eye gems I, I needed and oh that's good I keep getting I bet just random just loving the attack jewels they're getting I no, I haven't got any attack jewels but I keep getting random uh, like high high value uh, decorations like extras so right. I've actually run out of um, 
uh, the, the highest tier of Fey Stones for the Elder Melder to, like, re-roll. Oh, no. So yeah. I have to actually farm uh, high-class Tempereds so I can, like, offload all my excess gems. I probably will not have that uh, problem considering my crown hunting and Tempered was some of the best ways to do it. Right. Yeah. Um... Yeah. <laughs> did, did, did tempered monsters get larger? Whatever. Uh, no, but they tend to have some of the best like um, qualities, which you're looking for when you're crown hunting. Uh, it's been a while. It's been, you know, eight months or so since I've done the crown hunting. But like, it's like you want to have the best rewards possible, which is tempered. And, you know, like, um, and you want to have certain time limits, which, you know, it's investigations in general, but I think tempered quests uh, help achieve it quicker. Or at least maybe that's a placebo effect I was using to tell myself I wasn't going crazy or whatnot. But uh, I definitely preferred tempered quests when the crown hunting to regular investigations. Okay. Um... A point I wanted to make about this, this greatest Jagger's quest. Oh, uh, on that, there's also a like a, a, a devil Joe that's really small in the greatest Jagger's quest. So it's a guaranteed spawn, and there's no turf war. Greatest Jagger's just like Kulfuroth punches it and kind of bullies it and gets it to run away. Yep. So, so it's yeah, I've like seen that. a lot, a lot of, a lot of great stuff about that. <laughs> it's kind of the revenge of the nerds meme. And also, if you kill that Devil Joe in the quest, you get a guaranteed small crown. Yes. So that's that's pretty great. Yeah, I didn't I didn't need Devil Joe. I finished Devil Joe before uh, a lot of other monsters on my crown hunting, uh, only because coincidentally I just had ran into the large and the small um, while just fighting him in general. Uh, I wasn't even crown hunting him. Just like hey. He's a new monster at you know at the yeah. time, and then he ended up being large or small. I think one of the one of the tempered Devil Joes that we fought uh, was the small crown I got, which is lucky because <laughs> tempered Devil Joe is not fun. <laughs> it's not so bad anymore. I feel like. Sure. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. We've had we've had some power creep since, <laughs> especially with Kulvay tear off. Um, I I wanted to say about Greatest Jagras, in closing, I think it's just like the best way to do a subspecies that they've done, figured out yet. Um, okay. Because it's not a palette swap, it doesn't change the element. Because I feel like if you take something like Xantrios, which is of course the ice shark, like burrows under the right. ice, and you put it in yeah. the desert where it can't burrow and it has to have a whole new moveset, and the, the motif of a, of, a, of a shark has nothing, no relation to an arid landscape. Uh, well, I feel they like just that loses... more street sharks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just feel like that loses the original intent of the design and the ecology kind of baked into that. Whereas... Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. Uh, although uh, I do like, uh, I like those monsters just to fight them. Um, I didn't like that he was the uh, I'm going to be uber inflated and harder when I'm inflated mode. 
Um, that wasn't exactly fun because I, I think of the weirdest things that any Monster Hunter monster does. It's it's Zamtrios's "I'm a balloon now." Be scared because yeah, it looks so goofy. It just like uh, I, it didn't need that. Like I would have just preferred the ice armor, and that's it. Like I, I don't understand the, the inflating thing. I don't mind it, um, but the yeah, the desert one is more focused around that. Um, yes. But about Jagras, I think I think it's great because like the new attacks, and admittedly the reskin from other monsters, but it totally changed the difficulty of the monster and they, uh, the new attacks oh, yeah. lean into what makes a Jagras like the concept of that. Like the concept of a Jagras is this lizard and it eats. Uh, uh, like swallows Aptanoth whole and in a manner simmer, similar to Zamtrios it inflates and gets all like a huge belly and yeah. it's, it's new attacks it's like spitting out chunks of meat uh, yes. and like the whole theme of Monster Hunter World all the bioenergy of the Aptanoth is you know crystallized in those little face stones that you drop from it yes um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I will eventually fight it. I think. <laughs> it also has like a really, really dangerous pin attack, where it'll start like quickly eating you if you've been pinned down by it, and it'll like take your health way fast down. And that just plays more into like the theme of the monster as a glutton. <laughs> right. I mean, Gavel just still does that, but it's not as scary as it used to be. It's about. I think it's, a, it's it's as bad or worse than Double Joe's uh, pin attack. Okay. I don't know. I just don't consider Double Joe's that scary anymore. Of course, then again, I run a lot of health regen and that kind of stuff. So <laughs> that might be why. Yeah. Okay. Um. So uh, you also mentioned uh, Behemoth. You finally got to take it. My music. Anastera has returned to natural balance. I'm so very happy I was able to beat Behemoth with my friend <laughs> on just like a like half pre-made half SOS quest. Uh-huh. A really great like party composition. And I actually really like the Behemoth quest now. Because I mm-hmm. feel like before I hated it because it was the stupid Final Fantasy design and because the balance of it was like if you were trying to solo Kulv Taroth, if you didn't have, like, a good party. Yeah, I never soloed her. Because, <laughs> like, if, if, you don't, if you're not doing enough damage, if everyone's not playing well, you just don't hit the stagger thresholds. You don't uh, mount it or interrupt its attacks, and you're just a chew toy. Right. But... Yeah. Yeah, before I was, like, trying to uh, tank it with the lance, and while that was working, I, n- I could never find someone who would be quick enough on the wide, sp- uh, wide range heals to keep me from dying, just because I couldn't... Sure. Sheathing a lance takes an age, and behemoth uh, attacks yeah. do not. But no. now... <laughs> but I went back in with the foresight slash and the longsword, and the counter is so good for it, because it has so many, like spin around the attacks and like ground explodes attacks yes 
Yeah, that's what I tried to do is I kind of tried to be the tank in quotations with a longsword when I tried it a couple times. It didn't go so bad because um, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good at that force light slash uh, nowadays, especially since I buffed it. <laughs> like, it almost feels too easy to, to actually land a counter, although you can get hurt if you're late in the counter um, and still do it. But it's, you know, it's like, I don't know. It That's how I tried to do it. And granted, unlike you, I have not succeeded yet. Um, but hey, you know, maybe with your help, I can do that soon. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's not, the normal version at least is not super hard if you have people who can play the game and know what they're doing and are not just random SOS people that like to infuriate me. Yes. Um, I had random SOS people. Yeah. <laughs> me too, so many times. The... I, I was actually just playing, like, a support build with Longsword. Like, I had a full wide range. And sure. I was just, like, chugging potions. And you can't see it, but I'm doing, like, a downing a glass motion with both my hands. Just, like, on, <laughs> on loop. Um, right. And I was, like, buffing all the party members and, like, mounting it and things like that. Right. That's fun. It's, you know, it's it's kind of fun. I like that they, they, they kind of had, hey, you know, like, here's maybe a different way to play Monster Hunter that's more akin to Final Fantasy um, with this particular monster. And I thought that was a neat idea. I'm glad that it's sort of like a special thing and it's not going to become the norm for sure. Uh, I do like my soloable monster hunter stuff because well i mean uh, most of my hunting career like probably 90 percent of it has been solo so <laughs> yeah I, think... I don't like i don't like how they made it so if you don't have someone who wants to be tanking that you can just like randomly instant fail to hunt with by destroying all of the rocks you have to hide behind but other than that right. it's, it's it's like an all right monster yeah yeah, I, yeah, and eventually I will finish it. Um, my goal is to get that done. Maybe the uh, um, in what, what is he called? The enraged, the the the, the stronger one. Uh, extremist was the fan name. Yes, anyway. the ex- the extreme behemoth. Um, maybe get that done. And I definitely want to try the greatest jagger. So I'll probably end up doing that. Uh, if not tonight, but uh, sometime this week, just to make sure I get it in. Um, For context, greatest jaggers is only up till uh, the seventh of February. It, it goes out halfway through the festival as they roll Lavasiath in. Yes. Which I might want to try that too. Um, yeah, I, I definitely want to. <laughs> I definitely want to uh, do that. Um, but I have a few things that I want to do before Iceborne, which, I mean, granted, I have a lot of time before Iceborne, considering it's in the fall of this year. But still, I mean, I want to... I don't think I'm going to dive back into Monster Hunter like I was, you know, the, the good 500 hours I poured into it last year. Because um, <laughs> I want to play other things, too. Um uh, like you know, like I'm I'm excited about Mortal Kombat 11 and that kind of stuff, but we'll get that later. Get to that later. Um, so uh, you also mentioned that you were working on learning the Charge Blade, um, and you seem to be doing pretty good at it. Yeah, just briefly, I um, I I, I was you know the game was feeling stale, so I wanted to right. try a new weapon, and I've never really clicked with the 
the switch switch axe, which used to be my favorite weapon uh, since since generations. Yeah. Uh, but I liked the charge blades, like the the hit feedback and the rumble on its on its different attacks, and just like the punchiness of the double swing and the guard points like combo into the uh, super duper discharge, whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah, they they uh they did a 180 on that because like in generations it's like no 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 you can't super ad after a guard point anymore no 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 and then like uh because <laughs> you know it's what made it so broken and 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 for you and then Monster Hunter World guys like nah you can do that now <laughs> again yeah I don't know why the the side team took that out it's such a such a clutch thing to pull off. Yeah, I mean, uh, in a lot of ways, we've been talking a lot about D and D. It's it's that sort of mentality of like, um, you know, me being mostly a DM in Dungeons and Dragons. It's like, hey, my players can either do something really cool and broken, or they can be fair and balanced. And then sometimes it's better to just go like cool and broken because that's just more fun, and it's a cooperative game to begin with. It's not. Well, I mean, it's, I was going to say, it's not like it's we don't have professional speedruns, and then I started thinking we actually had actual speedrunners who played in an actual Capcom-sponsored tournament on the podcast. So I'm a little confused by my own statement here. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say that it's not... Um... Just the weapon in general is what's broken. Like, the damage balance on blunt type, or whatever they call it, charge blades, is oh, yeah. super-duper insane. That I'm, like, yeah. just killing monsters faster than the longsword, which I've been playing for several games, and I have much uh, longer expertise in. I don't think the kind sure. of, like, bounce uh, guard point discharge is uh, overpowered, in itself, though, because you have to have your positioning so right, and you have to have your shield charged, and you have to have your vials charged up. Is sure, it... yeah, there's a lot of steps to it, and a lot more than a fade slash in Monster in the World. That's totally understandable. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's it's so easy to just miss and waste all your vials. Uh, if the monster's, yep. like, using a charge attack, and you guard point that, and it's behind you now. Yeah. No, yeah, and that makes that makes total sense. Um, I just I'm saying like so, uh, my point with the D and D thing isn't necessarily that it's broken. It's just like sometimes you know it seems like okay that's too powerful, and sometimes you got to say, well, does it even matter if it's powerful or not? If people are having fun with it, you know what I mean? It's like, right. uh, yeah, and and yeah, there's there's definitely skill to it. It's not like you're just like hey free damage. Like no, you actually have to get to that point, build up to it. And that's why I like the charge blade a lot when I, you know, I, I sort of made that my main in for you uh, in through generations. And I tried it in Monster Hunter World. I wasn't super excited about the guard points because uh, I didn't have that visual cue. Uh, I've talked to you about that before. It's just like, there's like a little white flash when you when you guard point and uh, successfully in, uh, you know, pre uh, generations specifically. And I think it also in... Um, Generations Ultimate, and uh, it's just, <laughs> it's just you know like, 
it's just I didn't click with me and world, and I wanted to try something new anyway. So I ended up going to longsword. So we kind of flip flopped there. <laughs> um, when I, you know, I've been doing the longsword in Monster Hunter World. I don't know. Maybe I need to switch the weapon up um, to uh, to get there. You know what though? Like, what if they have a new weapon in in Iceborne? Maybe I I feel like that if... is a possibility at this point because they didn't have one with world. Right. Um, they, maybe so maybe that's the, the new moves that we're you know it's talking about. Maybe. Um, I, I actually, God forbid, I was to talk about more Monster Hunter, but the I mean, isn't that expected? <laughs> the, the Japanese language in that tweet, uh, instead of new moves, it said like action. It wasn't like a Japanese character; it was just a phonetic translation right. of action, the English word action, actions. So that could be. That's not doesn't sound like a new weapon to me. That sounds like uh, emotes. Well, like slide attacks or like grappling or th- just actions, you know. Yeah. But there could also be, be a new weapon. They just, just could not have talked about it yet. So. It would be funny if it was just more emotes, more actions. There's always oh, going to be more emotes for Tron. I well, yes, I know. Let's Count your blessings so they didn't put in like caramel dance center or something already. Working. <laughs> no. Oh god. They could do so many dabbing. They could they could be so much Fortnite, it'd be terrible. Oh yeah. Yeah, it took me a long time to figure out what dabbing was. I was like, uh what? Like someone had to actually stop and explain it to me. I feel like an old person sometimes. Ugh. <laughs> um so uh something uh I've been playing a lot um recently. What more uh not as much as I'd like to, but I still like the game a lot. Uh, I've been playing Titanfall 2 again. Um, I was really big in this in 2016, especially towards the end of it. Um, I just like playing the multiplayer. Um, it's like it's like my I tried I tried my hand at Call of Duty uh, Black Ops 4, and I just I couldn't get into it. Uh, it's not that it's a bad game. It's just like I was doing horrible, um, just just bad. I was just doing bad, and then I you know I'm not doing great in Titanfall 2 but I get those matches where I am doing great and it's like it's a little bit better for me I, I like the game a lot um, I'm hoping that maybe we'll get a Titanfall 3 you know announce E3 this year or something it's one of my big hopes uh, coming soon but yeah I don't but know. does Titanfall 2 have Battle Royale for Juan? actually it does question oh, mark for fuck's there, sake. no I'm serious there is I, now don't get me wrong I could be entirely wrong. It's either a battle royale or it's a, um, uh, what do they call those? Uh, Halo ODST was this. Uh, firefights, you mean? Yeah, firefight stuff. Like a like a horde um, mode sort of. Horde mode. There you go. Horde mode with you know gears sort of popularized that. Um, it's either a horde mode or a battle royale. I don't know. I don't play it. I won't ever play it because I just like doing attrition, which is basically team deathmatch. <laughs> that's what I like doing so I don't know it might be in there <laughs> but there is a new mode that was added between me playing and uh, you know like sometime last year or the year before wow it's been like over two years since I played Titanfall um, yeah I, I've been enjoying it um, and a quick mention I've been playing like uh, I've been playing Diablo season uh, 16 uh, 
really maxed out my wizard like super quick. I think I was basically done with one of what I wanted to get done in four days, which it used to be like a whole season. Now it's just like, holy cow, like power creep <laughs> is a thing in Diablo, and it is there. So do they do that whole, um, your purples and epics are now more trash tier than green items, or... No, um, that did happen when they released the expansion, like, you know, WoW did. Um, But, no, each season just, it's the same game, you just start over. uh, And they add in, like, a new mechanic to the season. So, this season has a, what they call a free Royal Granger. And Royal Granger is an item within a game that reduces the needed number of set items for a set bonus by one. So if you have an armor set that has six pieces and you get X ability, you only need five. Um, This is an item that's in the game, and a lot of people end up using it or cubing it in quotations. Cubing it means you get the ability of uh, uh, an item without wearing it. You can only do that for three items, uh, and each of those items have to be in a specific slot. So you have like a weapon... Uh, an armor and a jewelry and the ring is a jewelry uh, cube ability so you're basically you only have like three abilities to pick from between rings and well four including your amulet i know i'm getting super complicated but basically you get a free grandeur this season which means you don't have to take up any of those slots to reduce your set bonus so it's kind of opened up the build diversity a bit um, not by much because the whole game is sort of run on the power of sets and they also buffed like most sets across the board to be up with some of the higher uh, set bonuses with, between classes uh, like uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny the necromancer has been sort of like running the game for a lot a while now because they were like super powerful and you know people just like them because they were a Diablo 2 class and uh, that got no buffs like at all that whole class between the four sets on it nothing <laughs> and like every other class had almost all of their sets buffed and it's not even like oh like we gave like seven more damage or whatever it's like we went from an eight thousand bonus to damage to a twelve thousand and in one of them it's like a 10 to a 20 it's like just insane numbers so it's yeah it's <laughs> It gets kind of complicated, but I don't know. I got done with it pretty quick. Um, but does but your DPS we... go up, Fortune? Do you get more DPS? Yes, that's it's essentially what happens. That's pretty much all you care about in Diablo at this point is the what about more the deep more of the deeps. What about more dots? Do you get more of those? Uh you do in Firebirds, which is a wizard set that I actually like. It's it's literally about how many fire different fire spells can you hit an enemy with, and they start burning alive for more damage the more you hit them with different spells. But I feel like you're not supposed to stand in the fire. Can you tell me more about that? <laughs> well, well, you see, if you had the passive bonus... Wait, wait, no, that's interesting. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm getting my games crossed. Um, uh, so, like, yeah, that's that's kind of all my spiel on what I've been playing. Although we both have been playing D and D. Um, I started yeah. DMing again. Um, I ran a, uh, I ran a group where for the first time I put a dragon in front of them and they didn't try to kill it. Um, mostly <laughs> yeah. because 
it took out a tower, two towers by itself. Uh, and the one party member who wasn't uh, sufficiently intimidated by this uh, was then sufficiently intimidated with one look. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was interesting. I, I uh, yeah, it's a different party. I've I've never uh, DM'd these people before. I've been playing with them for a few months, um, but my brother uh, is the DM for the other campaign that we play in with the same group, and we're now alternating Thursdays, and uh, it's been it's been fun. Uh, my other character, I think I've mentioned before, he's Nil, which is Link backwards, like a mirror image of Link. Uh, he's super talkative and charismatic instead of being the. Uh, well, I mean, Link's charismatic, but he's, you know, the silent type. And and Nil is not the silent charismatic type. Charismatic is a uh, dead fish. Or my DD <laughs> characters. <laughs> I mean, I have those too, but this one I, I wanted to play. I wanted to play something, you know, like a little more fun and, and outgoing. So I did that. And um, I did the opposite of what you should do for the deeps. Uh, <laughs> I'm a ranger and the skill that I prioritize the most is charisma, which does nothing for a ranger. <laughs> um, actually, no, that's not true. It helps with your handle animal stuff, I guess, but I don't do that a lot, but yeah, I, I, I've had fun playing in that and now I'm DMing and I let them sort of be like power leveled characters. Like we started at level 10, but they're all like, crazy class combination except for my brother who's actually hey uh, well he's a minotaur so that's a little strong so he's like a minotaur cleric whereas like i have one guy he who is three classes he is a paladin warlock sorcerer it seems bad though you know, I just said, you know what? Just let him go with it. See what happens. And he's actually not that bad. Like the, the, the one that's the weirdest, I think is the warlock sorcerer. Who's just straight up half and half. Um, he found some loophole in the fifth edition rules, um, where he can get his spells back per short rest instead of long rest. If he never sleeps. So like he just I, keeps wait, stacking. Wait. It's weird. It's like it's so it's some weird mechanical loophole that that has become popular. Uh, basically, um, they're uh, if you're familiar with the magic term net decking, uh, basically looking up strategies online to do something. Uh, he's kind of like net build this this warlock sorcerer, and apparently it's pretty popular in fifth edition. And he was like, "Oh yeah, I just do this and this, and I basically have infinite spells per short you know short rest." And I'm like, "Cool." And yeah, he's he's a bit of an odd bird, but like he hasn't really broken the game yet. He actually hasn't really cast any spells. I have that same multi-class in uh, my game. Another person's playing it. Well, you might want to look that up. Although I wouldn't suggest it because um, as a DM, you can balance those kind of things. So every time we go for a short rest, I roll a percentage die to see if he falls asleep. Because you can't stay up forever. <laughs> right. Can take exhaustion. Right. right. Uh, yeah, and he will get levels of exhaustion eventually. Which, fun fact, kills you. So, you know, yes, not the most match, OP yeah. strategy, maybe. Oh, yeah, no. He, he, I mean, he may die in general, too. Who knows? Um, these are, like, the most hurt murder hobos I've ever seen, too. <laughs> so... 
Uh, and if someone's not familiar with that term, that is your players who just kill everything and don't live anywhere. So they're called murder, murder hobos. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they, they're not killing NPCs and that kind of stuff, but they're literally like, let's kill the next thing. Let's go. And it's like, okay, uh, this is with the other campaign, not the one I'm DMing so far. <laughs> Although you, I admit, um, my character did a little bit of that. <laughs> what, uh, what, what class is Nell? He is a ranger. He's a wood elf ranger. Uh, it sounds kind of, it sounds kind of cookie cutter vanilla, but, um, I made him specifically better with his sword and shield than he was with bow, which is kind of flavorful for Zelda. Um, well, that makes sense for Link because he does like multi-weapon. Right. Lot. And it, yeah. And I do use the bow, but I have like incredibly better bonuses with the bow. I think, uh, uh, we're level six or five right now. I can't remember. And I have like a plus 13 to my attack with the bow, but like a plus seven with the sword. So I end up using the sword more often because it's more flavorful instead of like, like I'll use the bow in certain situations, but I won't use this. I won't use it in combat as much. There is. <laughs> or, you know, I'll, I just don't, like trying to be flavorful with it. So don't worry. Well, I should also mention like... he's stupid. His <laughs> intelligence is low. <laughs> I wouldn't worry. Cause outside of like smash brothers and maybe twilight princess or wind waker, Link is right. not very flavorful at all. He's just like standard fantasy adventure knight, sword and shield. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's very, very much the blank slate that a lot of games do. Which I mean, is just the melee like... combat is pretty typical. Yes. Yeah, it is, and I'm not trying to completely be the entire opposite of 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 Link. I'm just you know doing it for parody, I suppose. Um, because it is a Nintendo-themed campaign. Like, all the dungeons are Nintendo-themed. Uh, we had just done Pokemon, where I stabbed a kid instead of Pokemon battling him, <laughs> which caused uproarious laughter. Because he's like, let's duel! It's like, okay, stab! Oh, he died. All right. It was I a child, Porchon. It was. Child. Uh, I felt very bad about it, because I thought he meant duel, like, you know, like, like duel. I thought he was trying to kill me. That's I, not I should mention canon. Nil is... I, Everyone knows you I should... can't fight Pokemon trainers, and Link doesn't kill children. He gets bullied by them. Yes. But he this can't is go through the log doorway if the child is standing <laughs> in front of it. Uh, but this is Nil, and he's stupid. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, anyways, that, that's what I've been doing. So how have, how's your D&D stuff been going? Oh man. I'm I'm playing a uh, wood elf druid of my own username. Who knew the uh, person who plays monster hunter likes nature? Uh, yeah. And I've just taken you're mentioning animal handling. I just took the animal handler feat, which yes. gives you a bonus action to command uh, nearby animals. Um, okay. And, and like, I already had proficiency in animal handling, so it gave me expertise, double the proficiency bonus. Yeah, and yeah, it just capped out my wisdom to a full twenty, so so I can do better. Um, you know, I think it's kind of mandatory if you want things to fail your DCs, spell save DCs. Are difficult that makes class sense, yes. for people who don't know D and D. Um, so like my whole build is sort of a caster healer. I'm the Cer- druidic circle of dreams, and. Okay. 
that gives me the uh, a number of d6 die equal to my level, and I can spend up to half of my level worth of them uh, to heal someone as a bonus action. Yes. So it's like really, it's not it's not a spell or anything. So you can cast it, a spell and it in a turn. So it's like a really like um, free kind of healer that doesn't like tie you up in your turns. Just healing, like you can still act. Like you can wild shape and heal someone in a turn. You can heal someone while in wild shape. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, there's a dire wolf coming my way. Oh, oh, that feels good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually had a dire wolf because I rolled super high nature when I was trying to get an animal companion for this yeah. one dungeon, but he he didn't like being charmed by me, so I so I let him go because I'm because oh. I'm role playing. Um, Good on you. <laughs> but I did kidnap slash befriend a <laughs> didn't charm this one a, a giant owl. Uh, okay. So, like, I'm thinking my motif is going to be I'm going to wild shape into a bunch of... <sighs> I can't... Because wild shape is kind of just lame for classes, other, for specializations other than moon druids. Right. So yeah, you can only I mean... do up to, up to challenge rating one, at, at, even at yes. higher levels. So I can't be a giant stag, but I was thinking, like, deers and stags would be, like, my motif... For like okay. his character, he's like a, he's like in the forest, and you know, uh, that one elf in the Hobbit movie is so fucking cool. Uh, he's riding the antelope. Or oh something. yes, the pie maker. I'm sorry, I just there was a show called Pushing Daisies. Um, I really loved it, and he, the guy, the main character, they called him the pie maker, and the elven king in the Hobbit movies that is riding that deer is the pie maker. Oh, it's the same so, actor. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> I keep calling him the Pie Maker. He's such a ham in those movies, oh, like no. ooh, like burn by dragons. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but yeah, my my plan, I guess, if I have one at all, is yeah. I want to use the bird to like pull an enemy up into the air, and I've got a okay. bow. So I want to just like have him dangling helpless up in the air, grappled or whatever, uh, and shoot at him, and like just like quick draw, just like one, two, three arrows, and, like pincushion him, like target practice. Oh my gosh, live pincushion! Drop awesome. him to the ground, like. Um. So that I don't I don't know if you looked at the monster stuff too much, but um, that is straight up the tactics that uh, that uh, pterodactyls, pteranodons, you know, all those kind of dinosaur flying dinosaurs in quotations are not really dinosaurs uh, use in D&D like that is straight up their battle tactic grab you pick you up in the air drop you right <laughs> like that is what they do so that's cool <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm gonna have to talk my DM into like at higher levels uh, trying to get like something like a giant elk or like some slightly watered down version of that creature as a wild yeah. shape, because there is no challenge rating one uh, deer or anything like that, I don't think. Huh. Maybe I could reskin a horse or something? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. I'm sure that... I'm sure that could be reasonable. I mean, I would do that, but then again, I'm a pretty agreeable DM, too. So, yeah. 
Um, speaking of which, um, I'm not sure, uh, but I'm considering running a campaign for like people who listen to the podcast and that kind of stuff. Uh, I had an interaction with someone on Twitter who you better be sure does, if you're saying it now. <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, like it, there was a an interaction on Twitter. Uh, a follower of mine. Um, she was advertising this. Like, it's called Fantasy Realms, I think. Uh, I don't remember the name of it quite yet, but it's like um, Roll Twenty, but it's like an alternative to it. It's free also. Um, so I I figured I might check that out, and if it's good enough, I, I might run. Uh, I might try running something for the podcast. Um, you know, just something else to do, something else, some other way to interact, some other fun thing to do. So, um, that, that looking into that. Sounds interesting. Yeah, I, I thought so. I just that just happened a couple of days ago. I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even say anything about it to you. <laughs> do you <laughs> not? Like, um, oh, yeah. Do you not like Roll Twenty's user face? User I do. Interface. I I have. It only came up because this person was just advertising it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, let's see what this is." Um, okay. So I'm gonna look into it. It's not that I have anything against Roll Twenty. Uh, it's just that it kind of got the idea going, this fantasy thing, and why not check it out, right? So the, the problem I have because my campaigns on Roll Twenty is that sometimes on larger maps it like really stutters to the point oh. where like the character sheet is like kind of teleporting, like blinking. Like one frame a I get second. lazy and I kind of draw on the fly. Like I, <laughs> I don't really, I don't. Really, I, mean, I have like these big worlds planned out on pencil and paper, but like, yeah, like, when I'm like on roll twenty, I'm like, okay, this is a building. Oh, that is a really jacked up square fort. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. <laughs> that kind of stuff takes a lot more time to me than in person DMing because I'm pretty good at uh, ad lib and that kind of stuff too. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm oh, gonna look did, I, it, said. did I tell you about uh, how my character died on the podcast? No. Yeah. What, so I, my character uh, got studded leather armor vulnerability. Uh, and okay. it was uh, resistance to slashing vulnerability to piercing bludgeoning. Which are the two uh -oh. other melee types of damage? In case anyone is like, what, what, what's an action? What's a bonus action? Um, right. And we got into a boss fight right after that loot chest, that treasure chest. My yeah. character's from the forest. He doesn't know about magical curses or anything. Sure. So he just put it on, and became cursed. And the the fight was against a minotaur with a freaking nuts move speed, like. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like he rammed me when I was in a when I was dashing as a whatever the runny horse is wild shape. Yes. It was like a total 120 movement speed. So and he got me like knocked me out of that form because the vulnerability still applies and it's a curse. It applies to my character. It's not armor. Yeah. And the animal wild shapes are ter or armor classes are terrible. Oh, yeah. So, like, I took a hit. I, <clears throat> it, like, got me down. And I started healing up again. And I was running ahead because it was, like, this... Hmm. He had to, like, outrun the Minotaur to, like, a portal. And because he was getting healing from the portal, that dimension. And you had to, like, stop it. So he would... Um, hmm. 
I wasn't paying a ton of attention to this fight, uh, at least not the most ma consequential things, but I, at one point I ran ahead of the Minotaur, and he just, boom, shoulder-checked me, uh, like, instantly all my hit points gone, because I'm vulnerable to, it's actually yeah. like, a, like a horn attack, like a gore attack, so that's piercing, double that damage. Yeah, they have that, yeah. But it was as if he like shoulder checked me, and I instantly fall fly into a wall and crumple to the floor, like my little frail, yeah. robed druid character. And then I like someone ups re ups me because I uh, and <laughs> with, with a, like, a little healing <laughs> spell, and I'm like kind of blood all over. I was like, like kind of limping forward, <laughs> healing myself every turn, just like, and I and I finally because the minotaur in my party at this point is through the portal. Right. And I like finally get the courage because I have, and I have the dire wolf. And I was like, "All right, buddy, you go in ahead of me, and I'll follow after." And I wild shaped and I followed after the wolf into the portal. And right. he's so low on health, this minotaur, so low. And we just, I like, I took all the attacks with my wolf, uh, missed a couple. I took attack, and I finally like he's like a sliver of health, and I took an attack with my uh, axe beak. It was. Uh, yeah. And the bird, right? This was my mistake. Uh, it's an ostrich sort of thing. Uh, the, I moved out from behind my meat shield wolf, and I gave the minotaur line of sight, and he moved back, getting prepared to use the charge attack, which would like do something crazy to his damage dice. And I missed yeah. my attack of opportunity, and he rammed me using a gore attack. He rolled 32 damage, and I had only rolled like 15. Which means you took. I only rolled extra, oh. like 15 extra hit points, kind of low for this axe beak, and I wasn't fully healed yeah. up underneath. Um, so I took 64 damage and instantly. Like so, you straight up died again. Yeah, the way we role played it is that he just like, like shoved like two horns like straight through my chest like straight through the armor and everything and i was just Ugh. very very dead and i hadn't noticed this but our npc ally had been casting chill touch which is sort of a necromantic or cold yeah. damage or something cantrip and yes. it prevents uh if it hits it prevents the enemy from healing for a round so the minotaur was largely unable to heal uh, and his health was so low, but he just got just enough heals to, like, stay up for another round and kill me. But my, mm. but my party was able to, uh, resuscitate it, you again. Like, right after. And I, they took me to a kind of a, uh, a handout healer, let's say, and I got a resurrection. <laughs> well, that's nice of the DM, at least. At least you're like, nope, campaign over for you. Oh, so, you? that's such bad luck. Anyway. Yes, that that yes, that happens. Well, awesome. Um, so I guess we'll sort of move on. Uh, <laughs> we're already almost to an hour. We haven't even got to the main topic. Um, so I'll just mention uh, really quickly um, that you know I was excited for Mortal Kombat 11. I got to see the stream. Uh, in case you don't know, uh, I've talked about this a little bit. We lost an episode, and I talked a lot about it on the episode that we lost due to technical problems. Um, so I won't go into it um, too much, but I'm a big Mortal Kombat fan. Um, not that I'm some super awesome fighting game guy. I just 
I used to stay up all night with my uncle, my dad, and my brother and play when we were when I was a kid. And yeah, I know it sounds irresponsible of my dad to do that, but hey, uh, my uncle worked at Midway, which made Mortal Kombat, so it was kind of awesome. <laughs> at the time, he worked there at the time, so it was it was kind of cool. He wasn't like a coder or anything. He's just he just worked for Midway as uh, some sort of executive team person, and um, which I don't really know what he did, uh, but. I did get the game for free and we did play it a lot. So it's kind of got that nostalgia thing for me. So I kind of like every Mortal Kombat anyway. So I was excited to watch the stream, excited for uh, MK11. I think it's going to be really fun to play uh, for the good month or two that I normally play a Mortal Kombat game and then put it down and never pick it back up again. But hey, <laughs> I'm you excited. Think your character uh, will dissolve entirely into blood. Like, not just, like, yes. the blood parts of them and the watery parts of the human body, but, like, their skin and bones. I think those will turn into blood, too. I mean, it is not known for realistic things that much. I mean, Mortal Kombat 3 had the problem of, like, when someone exploded and died, there was, like, seven rib cages. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure everyone only has one of those. Just... <laughs> like i don't know it's never been super realistic on that front i just like it um but so let, let's go ahead and uh move on to what we were really going to talk about which was uh metroid prime 4 and this was something that uh that haru got really steamed about um <laughs> um for a little while and yeah i kind of i kind of when, when the story was first coming out Yes, yes, um, which is a little while ago now. Um, but we kind of already had that discussion, so we're going to take it a little bit in a different direction and just talk about like just early announcements in general. And I think uh, Metroid Prime 4 is a big flagpole as to why you shouldn't do that. So do you want to start us off, Haru? Yeah, so just to give you like the rundown, the facts about uh, basically all that's known about Metroid Prime 4, it was announced... Like it was, Metroid or Metroid Prime uh, was like very high in demand. It was like yes. over the whole lifespan of the Wii U. Since Metroid Other M, there hadn't been one, and that game was poorly yeah. received. So it was kind of up in the air if the series was alive or F zeroed. Um, yes, yeah, because it doesn't make a lot of money. So well, it does. It it doesn't make Nintendo levels of money. <laughs> doesn't oh, make yes. as much money in comparison. as a, Yes. Smash you, Brothers. No, you're totally. That's a total fair statement. Yes. <laughs> so it doesn't certain like make series, a lot of money to them. Yeah. Certain Nintendo series that only sell two and a half million per game, like Metroid Prime right. <laughs> and and Paper Mario, kind of been uh, axed, uh, seemingly, right. and uh, in in but in E3 2017, after the Switch was launched, uh, they announced. Metroid Prime 4 with just a teaser trailer that had a working title, and it said, now in development, uh, they did not give a developer. And they did not give a developer until a uh, year and a half later, uh, just last week, when they said uh, that, uh, that the Metroid uh, Prime 4 that was in development uh, was scrapped entirely, uh, because it wasn't meeting their quality standards, and they had given development over to Retro, who was just restarting, I think was the word they yeah. used. Yeah, basically from the ground up. So, and, like, in the meantime, between the, those two points, 
Eurogamer had come out with a report that said they believed Bandai Namco and a new support studio, uh, Bandai Namco Taiwan, which had worked on some Mario sports games that weren't terribly well received, um, were developing Metroid Prime 4, uh, just like they develop, you know, Smash Brothers. So right. that, whatever happened to Bandai Namco, Nintendo wasn't, uh, didn't like or were afraid of people seeing, I guess. So they have now turned it out right. over to the original developers of Metroid Prime. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird situation to 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 be in, I would suppose. Um and only because they kind of I don't know. It's weird because I see where they came from in one aspect of they wanted to reassure people that hey, we are working on this. Get hyped. But that kind of backfires when they had to restart development. And you know what? Like a lot of people, I've seen a lot of positive stuff about this since. Um, people saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm very glad that Nintendo is more open about things and I wouldn't expect this from them. And, you know, like I agree with people on that sentiment for sure. And I actually, I'm not very stung or stunned by this announcement personally, but I do see <laughs> a worrying trend of just announcing things way too early. Because stuff like this happens. It just By the way, I mean... um, the person who's, who's saying that sentiment, like Jason Schreier at Kotaku, saying, ah, oh, man, Nintendo's so great that they're being so transparent, did not announce the developer of this video game. That was announced for a year and a half. They, they still yeah. haven't told us who even was developing the first version. So, right. you know... That's kind of gives me a laugh when people say that. Well, I don't know. I just, I like, I, I've seen a lot of Reddit posts, you know, not just Jason Schreier saying that, but like, you know, just general people saying that too. And uh, it's, it's just, I don't know. Like, I, again, I'm not a big Metroid fan. I prefer the 2D ones to the, to the 3D ones. It's just how, how I am. And I'm not even the huge fan of the 2D ones. I just like them. Um, and, and like the, the whole like the whole ordeal it's like i don't know it, it's it's weird to be put in a situation as a consumer where you're excited for something and then okay so it was canceled and now it's coming out again but <laughs> like basically they could have just said it was canceled you know like whatever you know metroid prime 4 was by bandai bandai namco doesn't exist now whatever that was now we're getting retro, which I mean, agreeably, that's who did you know one, two, and three, right? Do they yeah, do the all whole, three? Yeah, the whole trilogy. Yeah, um, which is cool, but like, I don't know. Like, it's just it's such a weird situation to me personally. I just I don't have a lot of stock in the game. So and... I'm I'm more of like a fan of uh, the Prime trilogy and just like 3D Metroidvania yeah. games in general. And, like, other cases like this, other games that have been forever announced, Kingdom Hearts 3 is a great one, was announced in 2013, yes. and of course, it implied since Kingdom Hearts 2 came out forever ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then you have, like, Final Fantasy 15 was announced for 10 years, as versus 13. Uh, the Last Guardian, that was 2009 and E3 to 
launched in 2016, finally, after being, after resurfacing. That's a, that's a weird one. Uh, The Last Guardian. Because, like, I've seen, like, people love that game and people hate that game. Like, I don't, because uh, they were, like, it was, like, super buggy and that kind of stuff. Like, I saw a lot of, uh, a lot of issues, I guess. And it seems very weird to have such a long development cycle. But then again, yeah, I look at Duke Nukem Forever. Well, it was, uh, 14 years uh, when Gearbox finally re- released their version of it that people generally hated. That's something, like, like with, with games, like, that have been announced for 10 years... You have to believe they weren't undergoing active development for 10 years. Like, the studio was taking vacations, or maybe more in the case of Gearbox in that case, or working on other projects, or, like, it was back Well, no, Gearbox bought it. Um, so 3D Realms was the original developers. Right. They then. just kept changing it. They kept reworking Like, basically, what we saw publicly was happening behind the doors. They just kept reworking it. No, this isn't good. Scrap it. Do it again. Scrap it. Do it again. No, we need to add this graphics engine. Like we like, so it was like a just an insane amount of scope creep uh, is what happened to, to Duke Nukem. And then we have like the the success that was Doom 2016 was something entirely different, which they scrapped and went in with a new direction. Now, we, what I see happening with Metroid is basically two options from history. We have Duke Nukem or Doom, right? It's Duke Nukem where... You know, like, okay, let's do it again, let's do it again. And it still ends up not coming out right. Or we have Doom, it's like, okay, this is what we really needed to do. So I'm kind of hoping it's a Doom situation, not a Duke Nukem situation, just for general people. But again, I don't have a ton of stock in that. Um, personally, the one, the game that I'm excited for, which was announced way too early because there was a mention of it when the Switch got announced, is Pikmin 4. We haven't heard anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> not only we haven't heard anything Nintendo announces so many of these games like Fire Emblem and Pokemon 8 uh, just with nothing with just like it's coming the next one <laughs> you know yes yeah and that's kind of what happened with Pikmin Animal and, Crossing uh, 2 is one no. yeah yeah so like what what they had like um oh gosh what was it I want to say it was like Right when the Switch came out, like it, uh, it's uh, we're, we're you know we want to get Pikmin Four, and it's almost done, and I'm like, cool. Then a year went by, and we haven't heard anything, and we're now approaching on the second year as of this March. I think it's got to be more of, than two years, right? Uh, maybe. Because there maybe, was like originally I, like Miyamoto just offhand and said, oh yeah, there's a Pikmin Four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and like. I've been sitting on that for like <laughs> forever long that's been and I'm like when when is that going to happen? Now granted again I had that same kind of mentality where it's like okay if it comes it comes I would be really great but I'm not upset that it was early it's just weird to me. It's just like why would you do that? I mean I guess to general, you know, generate some buzz like hey Pikmin fans this is the system for you too. And it's like I mean I wasn't really roped into buying a Switch off of Pikmin 4. I I wasn't. I liked the switch and i wanted to play like all sorts of things on the switch like uh mario odyssey uh when they first showed it and that kind of thing like so uh, li- i was going to get it anyways but fortune just listen to this uh uh-huh. pikmin 4 was first first mentioned by miyamoto in july 2015 
saying who yes. said that it was quote very close to completion. Yes, that's what I remember. Bullshit. Oh like, man, four it years. Could Maybe that's what happened. It could and he's possibly just more ashamed have of it. Been lost in <laughs> translation, and he could have been talking about Pikmin Go or whatever the 3DS game is. But like, yeah. In that case, the translator yeah, I forgot. Needed, they needed I to issue like a redaction or something. Because there's still no Pikmin 4. It doesn't exist. Nope. Not as far as we know. Not until it comes out, at least. Pixar didn't happen to Nintendo, seriously. <laughs> well, I mean, like, and, and to be fair, they're not the only people that do this, right? I mean, I mentioned, you know, Duke Square Nukem. Enix. Doom yeah. didn't announce anything. Duke Nukem, we've known that Duke Nukem forever, quotations, was going to come out for a long time. We knew about that project. And there's all sorts of, you know, projects that we know about that get canceled. Like, uh fable right the the fable people and then uh, i think it's lionhead right lionhead studios and then they had that game that was supposed to be sort of like uh um people playing as a party and one person playing as like sort of like a dm slash you know monster controller uh that was like a big thing that got canceled a couple years ago like all these projects that like we know a lot about and they just end up dying uh and it's it's kind of weird that you know it kind of drums up a lot of uh negative um you know negative mentality uh, i know that a lot of people have had sort of negative views on microsoft for doing that or delay oh yeah they uh, crackdown right um and that kind of stuff of course you know like sea well, of thieves uh a lot of people were sort of like meh like <laughs> like like on that and but I don't think that was a too early thing. It's just like, yeah, it, it actually the Xbox came out. Problem. Like, with yeah, well, Mercury. it did actually come out, but no, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Unlike, well, yeah, I know it isn't part of that, but it didn't help when all the other games from Microsoft have been canceled or let go. And but with Microsoft, kind of the, 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 there's so many Xbox One games. Like uh, Fable Legends, was it? Got canceled. Was announced in <laughs> yeah. like 2013 space. Uh, the remake of Phantom Dust was announced in 2014. Nowhere as well. Like the uh, Scalebound the is the one I was thinking of that got that got uh, deleted. And we knew a lot about. I think that was an Xbox exclusive. I could be wrong, but that's a big one. You saw some big, like huge, like set piece Elder Dragon Monster Hunter battles and on mounts, no right. less, and it just got uh, canceled. Yeah, so like. So that's kind of drum up some like, you know, again, it's all anecdotal. Like I'm not, <laughs> I don't have my fingers everywhere in the game industry. I'm literally just a guy who likes Monster Hunter and started a podcast. <laughs> so like, it's, it's just weird like to see so many, yeah, canceled projects, you know, especially for Microsoft, like. Uh, and they keep doing this thing like where where they just announce the next Halo. It's becoming an almost an inevitability. But like Halo, Halo does good, but Halo isn't what Halo was, you know, during Halo Three and Halo Reach. Like, it, and Reach is where it started to lose its luster, I believe, too. That's where people started uh, believing in Bungie to do Halo, and of course, three forty three took over, and yada yada. Um, so yeah, it's there's been a lot of There's been a lot of, uh, I don't know, like just canceled projects. Maybe they're just being more public about it. Maybe this happened all the time. (laughs) 
So, um, like, you mentioned Halo, and the Halo 1 came out in 2001, and, and three years later, there was Halo 2, and another three years, there's Halo 3. Like, that's a trilogy over nine years. Yep. Uh, no, 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 what am I saying? Uh, over uh, six or seven years. And... Right. Not counting, because no one had heard of Halo before the first game came out, obviously. Um, uh, yeah, obviously. Uh, but Metroid Prime was the same way. You had, um, just in the early GameCube, uh, the first one came out, and then just another two years, Echoes came out, and it took a little bit more, three years, when the new console, and Corruption came out, and that was a huge step forward in terms of control and graphics and... Uh, yeah. Just like enemy design, and and since two thousand seven when corruption came out, it's just kind of you get like weird things like Metroid Prime Pinball and Federation Force, and now this like almost non-committal announcement of four, where they don't say who the developer right. is, they don't show anything, they don't say anything about the game. Uh, be excited for the brand. <laughs> But, like, you, you wonder, <laughs> what did Nintendo do? Uh, why did they squander their developer, who was obviously very on top of things, very could make a high-quality product on a short amount of time that were completely uh, unique? There wasn't reused content, really, in Metroid Prime games. Uh, right. and, and now they've just been making 2D platformers that took, like, four years to come out. Hey, in defense, I love the Donkey Kong games. I love both of them that they did. And I was kind of hoping for another one from them. But they've been working on something until they got this new Metroid project, too. I mean, that's fine. But, something. like, it doesn't take the amount of technical and skill, like, uh, experience in the gaming industry to make Donkey Kong uh, as it does, like, a 3D shooter adventure action game, you know? I'm not sure I entirely agree because I don't really know, but I see what you're saying as far as like it's not, um, it's groundbreaking for sure. It's not as exciting, especially to you. Uh, <laughs> like I love the Donkey Kong games, and you know, whenever one comes, you know, a new one comes out, I'm I'm on it. Um, and I, I love Tropical Freeze. I played it on the Wii U. Um, I got it pretty close to launch. Uh, it's actually right around the time my first kid was born, so it was. <laughs> Like, it was, like, my last... That and Bayonetta 2 were the two games where I was like, okay, this is the last game I'm going to get to buy for a long time. <laughs> um, but, like, uh, I get but I get what you're saying. Like, you know, like, they, they could have been... You know, what have they been doing? Because, you know, this... It didn't seem like Tropical Freeze would have taken that long, I suppose. Again. That, that's my only point. I mean, they, they ported, yeah. I guess they had that studio port uh, the to trilogy the to the yeah, Country oh, yes. Returns to the, to the 3DS and uh, uh, the Metroid Prime trilogy to Wii and then Wii U. Yes. Yeah, but I, yeah. But well, like, you could get support yeah. studios to do that. You don't need to have your uh, Naughty Dog doing ports. <laughs> they can be doing yeah, better things with their time. I don't know. Nintendo's got a really weird. I mean, like, I mean, the the Wii U days were just a really weird track record. It was just, 
there's not really there wasn't a lot to support it and nintendo i think they cut out earlier than they said they did i think they started okay let's circle up do the switch and move on i think that's more what happened and i think stuff like Star Fox was kind of a pet project by miyamoto um at the time you know what i mean like it's like okay we're going to circle up and do this thing miyamoto you go save us with Star Fox, which didn't happen uh <laughs> um you know I, I i would believe that if um pure speculation <laughs> like the, the, I've, I've seen that argument like oh nintendo there weren't we use games because nintendo was saving them all for the switch and I don't think they were fine. saving them. I think they said, "Oh shit, let's do something else." But but like, wh- where where have these games been if they were uh, stopped development for Wii U and started on to on to Switch? Like you had Mario Odyssey and Zelda in one year, but what what came out in twenty eighteen? Like a bunch of ports, like a, a uh, Kirby game. By them Kirby. Kirby. <laughs> um, Yoshi didn't. It was supposed to. Yeah, Yoshi got uh, delayed out of twenty eighteen. Uh oh we yeah, got, there's well, there's we a got Pokemon the, game. We got the Fire Emblem Warriors. It, I'm not sure who did that, but we got the Fire Emblem. Oh yeah, Warriors that's game. that's like whatever the Muso team is. Omega Force, I think. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to remember last year, um, because I wasn't actually last year. I probably it's weird. I put the most monster hours into Monster Hunter by anything, but I played the least amount of games outside of Monster Hunter. Period. Last year, so I like it's basically that, that for seems, me last year was Monster Hunter. Well, I mean, like I had life stuff. So, like, so I was done with Monster Hunter essentially by July, and then July through December, I didn't play much at all. <laughs> like, right. It was. Yeah, like, I was doing other things. Yeah. Oh, where, what was my point? I've totally lost myself. Well, you, you were kind of just driving at the point, like you know, you don't agree with the argument they were saving it up to the switch. I agree with you. I don't think they, I don't think that was the intention. I think, I think they turtled up and tried to do something, and I think they probably focused more on switch development, not as far as games, but hardware. I think Nintendo turtled up. Uh, yeah, pretty like hard what I'm the Wii U. Yeah, like I. I would just question any Nintendo fan out there. Like, was 2018 the year of your dreams for Nintendo? Did you really need that uh, Hyrule Warriors Ultimate version expanded? Uh, yada yada. You know what? As much as you you don't seem to like that, I actually really wanted that game. I haven't got it yet, but I actually like that game because I didn't finish it. I mean, I finished the story in quotations. I didn't finish the maps, which seemed really cool. But I mean, sure, but that's after a while. like of all the things Nintendo has done ever. Is that like the one the year that you're like, oh my god, so much happened in 2018? <laughs> well, yeah. No, well, they had that was 3D and platforming. Well, I mean, like, I mean, but they had a great year for 2017. Yeah, we, we got the new Mario Kart. We got yeah, they um, did. Uh, Breath of the Wild, which I know you don't like, but that's fine. <laughs> um, you know, like, like I liked Breath of the Wild. At least Mario Odyssey was really good. Um, I. Th- think there were a couple of indies that year that i was just like I, I just love them uh like snake pass oh man i loved snake pass um i'm i'm not even oh kidding God. i love snake pass um 
Like there was like so much going for the Switch in 2017 and 2018. It didn't really get put down as much as um, now. I did play a lot of Generations Ultimate uh, on the Switch, but like like I said, like 2018, I had a lot of other things going on, and I think part of that is also really the only game, big games that came out. I guess uh, isn't Xenoblade the big one that came out last year? But I don't play that. No, that was 2017 uh, again. It was December. Oh, it was. Huh. Yeah. See, I don't. I don't have any answers. Just, I mean, I was betting like, that game I, would get I, delayed, but you know, it came out. Yeah, that was the one. It, <laughs> everyone was betting that would get delayed. Um, but uh, yeah, the only thing I can think of that came out last year that was supposed to be something big and ended up not really being big was Mario Tennis. Mario Tennis. <laughs> like, I actually have that game and. I stopped playing it because I'm actually kind of halfway decent, and like I said, I'm not a very competitive person, but, like, people get mad. Like, no joke. Um, so, so I, you know, started trying to date again uh, last year, and I did find someone who was like, hey, maybe we try to date, and she also had a Switch, so we played Mario Tennis Aces together, and I just, like, I wasn't trying to be like, hey, you know, like, haha, let's be cute, let you win kind of thing. I just sort of played and I just trounced her, and she never spoke to me again. And I was like, <laughs> I was just like, okay, maybe I should have let her win. <laughs> you heard it here first. Like, Nintendo I, ruins lives. I mean, could have had another I mean, seven kids. Like, you know, could have been like one of those. Another, uh, no, I'm good. I'm good with the two. Could have been one two. of those uh, <laughs> like flyover state families that we have nineteen children. Welcome to our home. <laughs> <laughs> 19 and counting um but, like just trying it back into the whole topic um mm-hmm. as soon as I remember my train of thought <laughs> um the, yeah the whole culture of announcing things early and of doing E3 and of taking time out to make trailers and like we're gonna stage this trailer here and this trailer here this marketing focused uh making of art of game art um right it's always trying to be newsworthy it's always trying to put yourself in the news and you're always going to get diminishing returns because you're going to have to be parceling out smaller and smaller pieces of content and the development uh gets hurt by that yeah the developers they have to chase trade shows and e3 and trailer drops instead of you know working on the game in the most efficient manner possible Right, instead of working on the game, getting core mechanics. Actually, um, extra credits. Um, uh, if you guys are unfamiliar with that YouTube show, they're really great about talking about game development, specifically uh, marketing, all that kind of stuff. They actually made your point exactly, is that E3 kind of hurts uh, games um, in the fact of like development life cycle. Um, it's hard to say whether E3 hype helps or hurts in the long run uh compared to next to that because uh, we don't have those numbers and i doubt that we'll ever see those numbers but, but <laughs> for sure everything's done e3 like nintendo used to do e3 during the gamecube um oh i know and yeah they 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 all do it and it's expected and, and heck we had you know we did we got into the i get into the e3 hype every year i'm no different i uh, i'm a, uh, i I do the predictions. Uh, we had a predictions episode for Monster Hunter here. Um, like, it's... But, yeah, and it's entirely marketing. 
it's well, but it's not good. it's not just E three though. Like if you, oh, I no. think I would posit that you can make a sustainable development marketing cycle on putting one trailer out for your game, uh, like every year, like in the two or so years that it's announced at E three, uh, before it launches, and not like do too much harm or disruption. But it's not just E three. It's we have to GC, hit this Nintendo Direct. Tax. We have to hit this Gamescom. We have to always yeah. be in the minds of people so they spend more money on us. Uh, and so, like, we get as many right. many pocketbooks as possible caring about our franchise. And that is just, like, you can't... Like, Monster Hunter uh, did, like, every trade show in 2017 uh, in, in that right. fall. But that was a game that was in development for four years. And it was announced seven months or so before it came out. Like, yeah. that that's, like, an appropriate yeah. amount because they had content to fill... And by the time they were done announcing or doing trade shows, they'd announced like all of the content in the game, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. It's movie trailers do that now too. Movie trailers give everything away. Exactly. The, the yeah. problem is, like, if you announce something extra early, you have and you're constantly trying to be in the public eye and in, and on trending on Twitter or whatever, you're you're just spoiling everything in your game because you, you there's a finite amount of stuff. Like, however big your team is, your game isn't probably more than a hundred hours worth of unique content right you know what i'm gonna i'm, I'm always gonna come back to this because you know i think they did it right Bethesda, uh bethesda and id with their doom it's like uh doom 2016 was announced in 2015 uh e3 they said hey it's coming out march of next year they didn't say that at the time but early next year and it ended up being march and it came out i think that's a good enough window like that's good eight months you know, yeah, like because they, just uh, said, they said it. They didn't have much else. You know, you didn't hear about you know all this extra uh, kind of stuff. And then you know, we talked a little more, a little more Mortal Kombat earlier. Um, we saw a trailer at the Game Awards in December. We, they said they're going to talk about it in January, which they did, and now it's going to come out in April. Now, granted, they're probably going to leak info the whole time up until April. Because uh, we only have seven out of the twenty-five characters and the, that are known to us. Uh, well, actually, no, maybe eight because of Shao Kahn. I don't know if he's included in the twenty-five, but whatever. Like, you, like that kind of shorter cycle. I think uh, I agree it fits. But Bethesda has been pretty good about announcing things at E3 and then releasing them either that year or in the following spring before the next E3. Yeah, I, yeah, they normally are pretty good about games in general especially their advertising like Fallout um, 76 aside <laughs> yeah Fallout 76 hit its date um, but that's yeah. I wouldn't Fallout 76 is a weird case because they obviously didn't want people to think that was their what they were doing they're just a multiplayer company now or whatever so at the same time they right. announced these forever away games like Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6 from the same studio obviously. Right. Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, we're not even going to be starting Elder Scrolls until after our next game." And it's like, "Whoa, why even tell us? Holy cow." Like you probably don't even know what Elder Scrolls 6 is other than the title at this point. Like, dude, I totally know what Elder Scrolls 6 is. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like like, people know where it is in the Elder Scrolls universe, um, which is very funny. But 
as, as like a huge Bethesda really? RPG fan, uh, I, I kind of liked what they did at E3. Um, on this is interesting because it's like it's like the other side of the same coin. Go on. <laughs> uh, on some conditions. Uh huh. Obviously, like there's no real new action mechanics in Fallout 76, so one mm-hmm. has to assume that because Bethesda always makes a new combat system every game they put out. Uh, sure. Yeah. So one has to assume that those people aren't working on Fallout 76. Those like programmers and designers and people uh, were working on Starfield, which has been the studio's next big thing since Fallout 4. And Fallout 76 right. was just sort of like a filler game. Uh, there was a lot of reused content from 4 with a new map. But yeah. The... So, yeah, so if want, they announce Starfield now... And it comes out in 2020 or 2021. Uh, that's not too too far away. Uh, like it wouldn't be too extreme to do a trailer one year, one one time a year at each E3 leading up to the game's release. And Bethesda, their people have said, their marketing directors or whatever have said that we're going to start talking about Elder Scrolls and. Starfield when they become closer to their time in the sun, their launch window. And right, like as someone who's gone to every three, is going to be like, are they going to announce Elder Scrolls Six? Are they going to announce Elder Scrolls Six in Skyrim? I, I'm okay. I'm I'm so happy that it finally got announced, even though it's like six years away at this point. Ugh, kill me. Um, but like I. It's it's a foregone conclusion. Skyrim sold thirty million copies. I don't think it's. Oh yeah, no yeah, that's that's gonna happen. I'm just making the point. That's a long ways off. That's really far off. And it, like getting hyped about Elder Scrolls Six at this point is just a fruitless endeavor. You're gonna be, you know, excited Dude, I've been hyped for about it since, like 2013. <laughs> it's not even. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I know. Like, there's games that I've been hoping for sequels or remakes for for ages like uh you know our second side quest which you weren't a part of it was toaster uh evo the search for eden like i would have loved to see something else with that game that company doesn't exist anymore that did that which was enix which is now square enix and that game is no longer even in the minds of them probably <laughs> and you know but i've wanted something and he like the and there's all sorts of like unmitigated disasters that you know EA cause and have, you know, not only just cancellations with the you know Star Wars games they've been canceling left and right, but um, Mass Effect was weird like Andromeda because they didn't they only marketed that game for like a year, but it was still rushed. So like, yes, I, I yeah. think I think the answer with that game is that it's just like a a support studio. It's not like uh, Bethesda or whoever the frick does Zelda inside Nintendo. It's not like one of those studios with a great base of experience. It's like a support studio that had to make a open world uh, sequel to a very uh, fervent fan base's franchise, and they couldn't do everything at once. Uh, Bioware is pretty well known. They've had a quite a reputation for a long time because, you know, they did Neverwinter Nights and stuff before that, and then they got into Mass Effect, and then, um, what's the other one? Dragon Age. Uh, you know, they got into those more dialogue-heavy games. Um, and, and they're... 
I don't. Yeah, I th- I agree with you that uh, Andromeda felt they were maybe stretched too thin. Uh, I also felt like maybe they were trying to go some directions with that series that they didn't really need to go. I think they needed to take a break from it, but they were trying to live off of, you know, like the 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 uh, momentum in quotations of Mass Effect Three. Um, which is kind of weird because Mass Effect 3 was steeped in a lot of controversy of how the ending went and then they had to patch the ending and people said, oh, okay, it's good now. But it was like a little too little, too little, too little too late kind of thing. Like, I don't know. Like, Bioware's been all over the map. Um, it's not... <laughs> it, it is Bioware as the developer, but it's like it's like Bethesda now. Like, they have different... Uh, or Bethesda studios Game within. Studios. They have different studios that right. are in, like, different states, different countries even. So, right. Bioware Edmonton is the one we think of that does all that has the history and has been around for forever, and Bioware Montreal made Andromeda, and then they got shut down. So Bioware Bioware Montreal was shut down, but there's still a Bioware out there that's making games, Ooh, like Anthem, which is actually just having a demo right about now. Okay. Um, well. Um, I just I think that's a good good discussion there. Um, just, if I could say more notes, sure. one more note about like the Starfield dealy. Um, yeah. Like, if that game comes out in a couple of years and Fallout seventy six is not super pushed back, uh, their marketing or or not no, their marketing their development for it. Yeah. Uh, like that's. That's fine. I don't think it would have been too crazy to announce these two games that are out in the future, because uh, it's not like they announced would have announced Starfield if, and it would be like four years away from when it was announced. Like that would be a bit excessive. But yes, I hope it isn't. Um, like just those trailers are vague enough uh, that it's it's not. I don't think it, it's like stoking. It's like, I don't fault Nintendo for Bayonetta 3's teaser trailer, because it showed something, it was an announcement, and it's going to come in the next year or two years, maybe three years at most, right? Yeah. Um, oh, and the last... <laughs> I forgot that was coming out. <laughs> yeah, no, it, the, I, those December announcements get kind of buried by the rush of the season. Yeah. And just to explain to anyone who's not savvy like I am, uh, Elder Scrolls Six it showed like kind of Skyrimy drums and like this arid mountainous landscape and, and an ocean. That is the Iliac Bay in the northwestern part of Tamriel, uh, and in, like the geometry, like points sticking out, not geometry, the geography, points sticking out mm-hmm. into the bay, into the water, suggests that it's uh, the northern coast of Hammerfell which is sort of like this Arabian okay. uh, uh, realm where the Red Guards, which are all the black people in uh, Elder Scrolls, <laughs> live. Um, it was kind of weird. But there was also like this giant sort of crater next to a town, and people thought that was Azra's Crossing uh, from oh, okay. like some weird phone game back when in the weird history of video game development. Or no, Elder Scrolls Shadow <laughs> Key. Uh, and that was like Shadow Magic, Azra Shadow 
shadow something uh was like a elf and he cast uh like a super big shadow spell and he screwed it up so he exploded and created a giant crater at Azra's Crossing. <laughs> kind of like the uh, the wizard in uh, Morrowind, where you find the flight spell. Yeah, there's a lot there's of a wizards and Elder Scrolls that just do die, do uh, <laughs> some some bad things to their to their health. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh yeah, I'm just so excited for <laughs> for like six years from now when that game's in the public eye. <laughs> Nice. Okay, well, I think we'll uh, end it there. Um, so this is uh, Fortuan signing off. Um, don't forget that uh, we just recently released uh, SideQuest Episode 8, which is a hat in time. Uh, and then also play along with us with Smash Bros, which uh, we didn't touch on it, but apparently Piranha Plant just released today or something. Uh, so we're going to be checking out uh, Smash Bros for the next side quest, which we'll be recording for hopefully very soon. Um, it's a shorter episode for the month, but we just had so much trouble getting hat in time recorded for our schedule goes. So yeah. And most people have been playing smash bros for the past two months. So, eh. um, why not do it? Uh, so again, this is fourth one. Uh, you can catch me at, uh, on Twitter, uh, at hunters hub pod. Uh, and, and you'll see me tweet about stuff and you'll see me probably tweeting about magic stuff because I am in a, finals tournament tomorrow i've reached the top eight of my edh league my brother again is number one so i'm gonna lose but hey i'm getting prizes <laughs> so i'll i'll see you guys on uh the next quest and on that quest where we see you haru i'm as always at the canes dead grand on twitter it's a lot of retweets a lot of politics at the moment but mm-hmm. they have that dive into monster hunter world book coming out in japanese the fifth gen encyclopedia and i'm importing it next couple of days and i'm excited to uh, maybe talk about that on the next episode of this so awesome i I need to get those encyclopedias as much as i like to collect monster hunter things i would love to get one of those they need to translate them unfortunately that's true too yeah i wish they would do that too